this morning, we're starting a new series called Fixer Upper. If you would come over to the Waldrop house and came into our room, you would turn on the TV and there's a great probability that we would be on HGTV. Yeah, I still got my man card, okay? And Donna and I watch this show, and now with our sweet mama, her mom, if she's living with us, we watch HGTV a lot. I go to bed watching HGTV, okay? And there's this couple on there that I've just fallen in love with. Man, they're really, I mean, they're just sweet. I love them. They're wholesome. They're believers. They have put Waco, Texas on the map. I mean, why else would anybody go to Waco, okay? And now people cannot wait to spend money and travel to Waco because of the popularity of Fixer Upper. Chip and Joanna Jones. How many of you have seen it? I'm just curious. Raise your hands if you've seen it. Yeah, look at it. Somebody's like, glory, man, I'm just listening, man. And right now, I want to welcome Chip and Joanna. I wish. Okay. Anyway, it's a fun show. It's wholesome. has a lot of fun things, and you learn all this stuff about renovation of your house. And, of course, they do it in record time because it's television. But I was thinking, this would be a great title for a series. So we just finished about nine weeks in the book of Proverbs as we've been walking through Proverbs, the summer wise words. So this is our new series, a four-week installment, Fixer Upper. And the character that I've chosen to major on is the Apostle Peter. Now, Peter is my boy. Peter is a man. Peter, I can identify with. Can you identify with Peter? I mean, Peter is a major mess-up, fouled-up, faulty, error-driven so many times. Impetuous, cocky, arrogant, over-the-top, puts his foot in his mouth. Does anybody identify with him? You're like, oh, my husband does. <laughs> or my friend does. But we're going to look at the life of Peter in different ways over this series. So as we're looking at that, we're just thinking about the glory of transformation. That's a key thought in this series. Because God takes Peter, a foul-mouthed fisherman, and he transforms him for the glory of Christ. He transforms him for the glory of the kingdom of heaven. And he changes him. And he gets a lot of bad raps, and rightfully so, because he brings a lot of it on himself, just like we do. But he's a great guy. He's a great man of faith that we'll look at. There's that wow effect. And the thing is, Peter often would bulldoze him, himself around in situations. He was like the proverbial China, uh, the bull in the China shop. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he just kind of walked into things head on. And a lot of times he had little regard for consequences. Now let's pause there. We're a lot like Peter sometimes. We're just kind of looking at the big picture. We're kind of looking down the road. We're racing ahead. And then the consequences come and we go, I did not count the cost. I did not see that coming. Peter just said whatever was on his mind before he's literally transformed in a major way over his life of walking with Jesus. And I still think because that was kind of a natural bent, a tendency, he probably had trouble with that all the days of his life. I don't know how Peter was brought up. I don't, I don't know the, the home that Peter was raised in. How many of you would like to have more background and, and like to know more about the apostles and, and people in Scripture, just a lot more of their story? I'd like a lot of their backstory, but we don't get that. I think maybe that's part of heaven. For eternity, we get to sit with the great men and women of faith, and we ask them their story, and they ask us our story, and we talk about how they've influenced us. But here's what I know. Jesus included Peter in the inner circle. Peter, Peter made it to the, to the in crowd with Jesus. 
He got to witness the transfiguration. He got to witness the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter got to do a lot of cool stuff with Jesus. So Jesus values mess-ups like me and you. Jesus values people. Why don't you just say out loud, Jesus values people. Now let's say it this way. Let's say Jesus values me. Jesus values me. It felt good, doesn't it? Man, Jesus says I'm significant. Jesus says I have value. And look at the title, Who Needs to Be Fixed? I mean, I know that's probably not the best sentence grammatically, okay? But the reality is we need to be transformed. We need to be changed. We need to be fixed. There's just some things in our life. Even after we come to Christ and we walk in faith, there's still things that Christ wants to change. Do you have things in your life that you've seen changes and progress through the Spirit of Christ, and yet there's still things in your life that you would like to change? Raise your hand if there's still some things you'd like to change. Yeah, you see? So that means we're on a journey. It means we're walking with the Father if we're in faith. And Peter, James, and John, the house of uh, Jairus, Jesus goes over there and they're raising Jairus' daughter from the dead. And Peter was among the disciples that got to witness that. And I'm thinking, wow, transfiguration. But here's what I know. Jesus takes time to rehabilitate, to redeem, to restore, to change Peter. And that's good news for us today. Because Jesus is patient. He's working right now in this room and people. I, I love at Pentecost where the Bible says the Holy Spirit came and it filled the apostles. It came on the people and people were, Peter was so overcome by the Spirit of God that he began to preach to a crowd that day of 3,000 people. And the Scripture, maybe more than that, it says in 3,000 were converted in one day. Man, I cannot imagine. What a sermon. This guy that was meager, mess up, impetuous one he preaches really the sermon of sermons when we read the scripture and uh and then later when you read about the life of peter peter gets persecuted greatly for jesus peter loved jesus so much he goes i'm not worthy to be crucified up rightly so scholars tell us peter was crucified upside down because he wasn't worthy to do it in the manner of his master but look at right here in the box will you look there with me the message truth. We're a broken people that need to be fixed up. Here's the key word. Transformed by His grace fully when we surrender, yield our lives to Him, completely to Him. And then we, in our hearts, choose to follow after the Master daily. When I was writing that, I just thought, you know, I want to use the word Master. We don't, you know, we think Master, we think some servant, slave kind of thing. But the word in the Greek is kurios, and it means Lord, and it means master. And I think master is a good word. So as I was writing, I just go, man, that, that's, a, that's a word that I need. Now, that's a word that the church needs. And the church said, I need to make Jesus my master. Now, there's a lot of things that can be your master. It can be your, your activities, your, uh, you know, your projects. It could be your spouse. It could be your kids. It could be your grandkids. It could be your vocation. It, I mean, it could be, I mean, it could be a hundred, a thousand things. But Jesus said, I want to be your master. And I just thought, man, that's the one we want. So let's just kind of jump in the outline. Number one, Jesus has vision for your life beyond who you are now. I like that. Jesus sees what I can become and not who I am. I still marvel almost 40 years later that Jesus would call me to follow him. 
Do you marvel that Jesus has called you to follow after him knowing what your past was? And Christ loves to go into sticky messes that need transformation, need redemption. And so look over at, uh, look at John with me. In John 135 through 42, but the main verse that I want you to see, it's right there printed across the top of your outline. Andrew brought Peter to Jesus. I love that. He brings Peter to Jesus in the beginning. He has an encounter. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah, but you shall be called Cephas, which is really translated, what? A stone, rock. You're Simon, but I got something greater. You're the rock. You're going to be Peter. It's like, no, not me. And I think about in my own life, and maybe you could contemplate your life today, who you were before you began a walk with the Master, and what Christ said about you, that He had a future, that He'd redeem you for a purpose, and He had plans not to harm you, but to love you. Are you grateful for that ministry of Christ this morning? I am glad God didn't just leave me. I mean, I would never be on this platform. I'd never be a part of this wonderful church. I'd never been able to do the things and marry the woman I got to marry and all these other things had Christ not changed me. I mean, the truth is, man, Donna just brought, wouldn't give me the time of day, man. And I was just like, man, I was just lost. You know what? Has anybody ever been lost before? Hello? It's not rhetorical. You ever been lost before? Yeah. And, and somebody, you're bumping somebody right now. I go, man, dude, you're still lost, man. Get found. Get found. I remember, remember when I was coming to school, it goes, uh, they had that big bumper sticker campaign, I'm found. And, and, and I wouldn't believe I'm like, found? When, were you lost? Like, like, dude, you know, you showed up at school yesterday. And then people tried to explain it to me, but I didn't have spiritual ears to hear, and I didn't understand it, and I thought it was kind of dumb. And then I came to Christ, oh, found, I'm found in Christ. I'm found with my sins forgiven, man, that's good news. So here he is, Petros the rock. And, but, you know, Peter's this uh, impetuous guy. And one time, you know, he's, he's standing up for Jesus, and there's this, there's this uh, guy named Malchus. Isn't that a great name? Nobody names their kid Malchus. I don't encourage it. And uh, so he, he's, like, doing his thing, and Peter pulls the sword out, and what does he do to Malchus? <laughs> Cuts it off. I mean, that is a cool story. No, it's not cool. I mean, it's like Peter. I mean, see what I'm saying? Peter didn't think about the consequences, but the good thing was he had Jesus with him. And Jesus kind of just picked the ear up, or it was flopped over, and he, it was well. Isn't that awesome? You're like, man, where was Jesus when I cut my fingers off the lawnmower? Or whenever I did something crazy? Well, he, he was in heaven, and he loves you. But here's, here's the thing I want to say to you. There's, there's determination in the life of uh, Peter. He's out one day, and he's asking, hey, can I come out to you, Lord? He goes, yeah, come out, Pete. Come on after me. And he does, and he walks out on the water, but then he gets his eyes off of Jesus, and he gets his eyes on himself, on his situation, and he begins to sink. And that's the same principle for you and I today. If we've got our eyes on Christ, we've got a chance to live in a pretty full, abundant, good life. But when we get our eyes off the master, things just start kind of going sideways. They just start going south, and man, we're in trouble. So here, here's, here's the principle. We just embrace God for change. We embrace Jesus for change. Man, I'm sitting here today, it could be that everybody said, man, I'm a believer. And I go, man, amen. And I go, well, why didn't we bring some unbelievers today? Because that's what the good news of the gospel is. God embraces us with change through his son. So I, I was wondering about this. What word describes you? Just listen to some of these and see if it speaks to you. Because he calls him Simon, but you will be Peter. But listen to this. By his hand, by his grace, he changes us. Maybe you're a person this morning, 
and you have a great fear of the future, you have fear of your health, there's health concerns, and Jesus says, but today, listen, listen to me, today I want you to become courage. I want you to become courage in me. Maybe you're a person today that you're consumed with worry, and Jesus says, I want you to become peace, shalom. Maybe you're one today that is addicted. There's some addictions that have taken you down a road. I meet people all the time that addictions have just ruined their lives. And Jesus would say this today, he goes, but I want you to be free. I don't want you to be bound by it any longer. Maybe you're one that's isolated and alone and depressed and things are hard. And Jesus says today, I want you to become engaged. In the worship guide, I wrote about community. Our small group season is getting ready to start. Man, I am so excited. I love small group ministry. I think it's the heartbeat of the church. And Jesus would say, hey, I want you to become engaged this year. Maybe you're angry and bitter, and Jesus says, hey, I want you to have forgiveness. Maybe your name, you you would say, my name is guilt-ridden. And Jesus says, but I want you to become pure. That's who I say you are. See, It doesn't matter what the world says you are. It's what Jesus says about you. And Jesus says you're pure in Him. Life change. This this rabbi named Jesus invited some crusty fishermen to come after Him and to follow Him. And then I love in Matthew 4, He says, "And, and guys, come, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, they knew a lot about professional fishing. And man, they could fish and they could have some great catches and then one night it didn't work out so good and Jesus was telling them what to do and they're like, Jesus, hey, look, you you stay in the temple. You stay a rabbi. We're the fishermen. (laughs) And Jesus trumped that. uh, But here's the thing. But Jesus says, no, no, I want you to come follow me. I want you to drop your nets. I want you to follow after me. And then I want you to fish for souls. I want you to fish for the souls of men and women and boys and girls because that's who I've created you to be. I want you to be a life change agent through my spirit, through my power. There, there was a, a book written a few years ago. Great. Uh, people celebrated it. Everybody bought it. There was a video series by, it's called Not a Fan by Ken Eidelman. Anybody ever read it? Good, good read. And he tells a story that I thought was pretty profound that I want to share today. He said in their home they had this room. It's called the White Room. Had a, had a white couch had white pillows, had a white chair, had white carpet. I suppose if I had a dog, they had a... You're a pretty smart group. Okay, I I made that up, okay? And one day they were in there, and they were just looking at the couch and, like, told the kids, don't go in the white room. And him and his wife were in there one day, I guess, you know, necking, I don't know, they were just in there. I'm sorry, I just messed the story up. And, and they're sitting in there, and, the thing, and he just happened, he just wanted to turn over the, the, the cushions and turn the cushion over. Up to his surprise, there was a big stain of fingernail polish, and it wasn't his. And this little girl happened to walk by the door and saw the fingernail polish and was very concerned, and she said this, Dad, could you ever love me again for a stain so big? And she ran off to her room. 
You know what? And some of you this morning, I tell that illustration because some people today, they're treating their life and, and they've messed up and they need fixing up in Jesus and their stain is so big and Jesus goes, there's not a stain, there's not a sin so big that my love won't reach out to you and I want to pursue you. Now, is that good news, church? Man, I'm, I love that, man. And then the story goes that in their house, then after that, they took the cushion that used to stay, you know, that side down, and they turned it over, and you would walk in the room, and it was just big fingernail mess up. And everybody saw it, and they would tell the gospel story. Some of you are like, can I move to their house? Your parents aren't here today. You go home and tell them that story. Say, hey, let me tell you about the story the preacher told today, man. Can we start practicing that in our house? They're like, man, we got a lot of mess-ups. If you've got kids, if you've got people living in your house, do you not have mess-ups? Have you ever just noticed that, man, man people just spill? They just make messes. I mean, do us adults make messes? Yeah, I mean, I was, having, I was having lunch one day. I was trying to be impressive. And dad gum, I just knocked the drinks all over the table. I talked with my hands, and I did this, and, and boom, just went flowing off the table. Oh, I felt so good. I felt like a dummy. I just wanted to leave. You know, stuff's just like dripping off the table. Somebody said, oh, don't worry. And they were getting cups, and they were wiping up stuff. And the waitress is going, hey, your tip's 40% now, dude. Come on. And uh, it's bad. Now, thank God I don't do it often. Now nobody wants to go to lunch with me. I don't blame you. I'm spilling on you, okay? Anyway, let's keep going. Transformation. Here it is. Get in the light of Christ. And in the light of Christ is the gospel of hope. And the hope that's found in Christ will change us and it'll sustain us. I, I read some quotes on vision. Thumb at this first point. I was just curious, like, God, you had a vision for Peter. And Jesus, you got a vision for me and my friends. And listen to this, vision is the art of seeing things invisible by Catherine Logan. I like that. Destinies are shaped by one's vision. The vision that you have for your life can shape it. Failures are only the byproduct of a visionless person. They are overcome by belief in the fact that God through God, that through God all things are possible. One's destiny is determined not by what we possess, but by rather what possesses us. That's what I pray this morning. God, give us the ability to see our life as you see it, of what it can become through yielding to you daily. And Lord, in that, there's power, there's joy, there's victory. Lord, there's a vision that makes us a victor. And God, I don't want to be the victim. I want to be victorious through Christ. So Lord, teach me to abide in you. And when I don't abide in you and I blow it and I need fix up, and I need a transformation. Help me to confess my sin and ask you for the grace to begin again. And you know, when I told that story years ago about a mulligan, a mulligan is a do-over. That's what grace is. Grace is the great eternal do-over of God. And the church said, and it's awesome. aren't you glad that God says, Dad, gum? First of all, I don't think God says, Dad, gum. But can you imagine God looking down from heaven and going, You blew it to hell. What? Man, we wouldn't have hope. But man, God provides the payment through Christ and forgiveness through His grace, through His confession. But all through Scripture, you read about the life of Peter. We'll talk about him all month. Peter flees one time. There's a little girl. And she says, aren't you one of those? One of, the, one of those disciples? I don't know him. Aren't you? No, no, he denies her. And then the Bible says that Peter goes off scared by a little girl. 
And he cries and weeps bitterly. It's one of my favorite stories in Scripture. Get scared off by a little girl. No, it's not one of my favorite stories. It's one of those stories that I look in my heart and I go, Jesus, my story's not in the Scripture for everybody to read. But I deny you sometimes. But do I go and weep? Am I broken because I break your heart? You see, Peter gets changed. This weeping is a repentant tears. And I go, God, that is good. You know, Peter didn't know his own heart sometimes. And then I think, well, I don't know my heart. Do you know your heart? Look at the second one. Peter was impulsive and strong-willed. Just impulsive. Strong-willed. And I go, man, I think we probably all could identify with that because sometimes we, we just have that problem. And, you know, like in John 18, 10, we talked about it, the Simon Peter drew a sword, slashed off the right ear of Malchus, the high priest slave. I mean, would you call that impulsive? <laughs> like, I, you know, like, man, I want to be on Peter's team. I want Peter to be my friend. I don't want to be my enemy. Man, he just goes to cutting people. Here's a great cut of scripture, but strong-willed, unstoppable, impulsive, insecure, anything but what I said to start with. He is not a rock. He is not the stone of faith at this juncture in his story. But he has these actions that he just gets him in trouble. And then that scripture I told you about earlier, where he uh, says, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And I love Jesus. He goes, Peter, come. Come to me. And everybody reads that story, and we preach on that story as preachers. But the, ultimately, the great thing about it is Peter has faith. Peter is the only one that gets out of the boat, and he walks after Jesus. So this morning, that's just a, a, a story for somebody today might be, you know what? I've just been sitting so long, and God has called me to a courageous act of faith, to some deed that honors his name, and I don't have enough faith. And today, I pray by the Spirit of Christ, God would infuse you with courage and faith to do that which he's told you to do and to obey him. And in the obedience, there'll be joy and there'll be grace. And there might be ministry. There might be some, some great fruit ahead of you or ahead of us that we get to participate in because you were not shrinking back and being a coward. But you committed yourself wholeheartedly to Jesus. So he's not steadfast all the time, and neither are we. Look at the third one. Peter became bold. Well, he does become bold. I want you to turn over to Acts. Can you turn over to Acts with me? Book of Acts, chapter 4. Look at verse 13. And the members of the council were amazed and when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, the two apostles. For they could see that they were ordinary men, common, with no special training in the Scriptures. They also recognized them. I love them. They recognized them as men that had been with Jesus. And I've been reading this passage for decades. And every single time I read it, I go, God... That's what I want, but that's what I want my friends. I want us to have boldness. But Lord, in that boldness, I want people to really go, I think you've been with Christ today. I think you've been in the presence of Jesus. And people just know that because of some characteristic, some fruit that expresses itself through my life and yours. And they go, man, that man, that woman, that boy, that girl, that teenager, they've been with Jesus and that's what people recognized about Peter. So he's bold, he's spontaneous, he moves with the Savior. Uh, man, it's just, it's incredible. He asked him later, 
But Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter immediately, emphatically, he makes a statement of faith. He goes, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. That's right, Pete. That's right, Peter. And this morning, I think Jesus is still asking that question. I think he asks it all the time. Keith, who do you say I am today? I know you said I was yesterday and last year. But today, do you say I am Lord? Do you say I am Master? Do you say I am King? Do you say I am leader of your soul? Do you say I am grace and forgiveness? Well, who do you say I am? And I just pray, oh Jesus, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are forgiveness. You are grace. I want to be solid in this sense. Jesus, Jesus prophetically names Peter for what he is. By his grace. Not who you are, Simon, but who you will become. Just hang with that thought with me for a moment. Who you will become. If you're content right now who you are, and there's no room for fixing up. There's no room for transformation. But if you're like all of us, or most of us that would admit it, that there's some areas of our life that need bridled by the Holy Spirit, they need cleansing by the blood, they need surrendering to Him, they need direction from the above, you go, Lord, bring transformation in my life, in my heart. Because, Lord, if I don't get it, I'm going to miss out on what you have. I'm not going to have the abundant life. Look at number four. Peter becomes a rock-solid pillar in the church. If you look at churches, there's a lot of churches named St. Peter. And on this rock, I will do what? I will build my church on the rock of Christ. Not on the rock of Peter, but on the rock of Jesus, the, the true foundation. Peter moves on to sobriety and, and maturity and completeness and wisdom and knowledge of the Scriptures and he becomes a, a, just a rock-solid pillar and disciple and apostle of the king. And Acts 3.1 tells us that Peter and John went together to the temple at the hour of prayer. They were consistently doing the things that the Father had instructed them to do. So what I've learned is Peter was a man of prayer. And, and the Bible says in Acts 4, around verse 8, the officers saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they marveled about these men. These men that would count the cost. These men that would stand. These men that, you know, the Peter that would be crucified upside down. They're, these disciples that would literally give their lives away and be tortured and killed for the sake of Christ. Man, just awesome. Believers. Humble. I, that's what I wrote down here. Humble Peter. He was. Emotional sometimes. And remember one time when Jesus asked him about the 25th, first chapter of john peter i got a question today <laughs> he's like oh man jesus man jesus asks all these tough questions and jesus go i got another question do you love me uh, well yeah lord of course you know i love you peter do you love me and if you read that in original language it really kind of goes from the agape love of god to the phileo to the love of brothers he goes, well, yeah, Lord, I, I love you. He says, then, then Peter, then I want you to do something. I want you to go and feed my sheep. I want you to go feed my little ones. I want you to go feed my lambs. And Peter spends the rest of his life feeding people with the gospel. I'm like, man, Peter, man, I want to be like you. And a lot of times we, we look at all these things in Peter's life, like I don't want to be like Peter. I don't want anybody to compare me to Peter, not Pete. And then I'm going, well, man, I keep looking. I'm going, man, he got fixed up. He got transformed. 
I know fix up, I know you could want to debate that theologically, but the, the theological word is transformed, okay? How many want to be transformed this morning? Yeah, I mean, fixed up, you're like, I don't know about being fixed up. Like, I need, uh, well, some of you probably, if you're single today, like, hey, can you fix me up? Uh, we don't have CCC single dating service. Hey, we want to fix you up for Jesus, you know? I was talking to somebody not long ago, and they said, uh, you know, it says uh, I'm single, and said I was looking for a mate. And said I got on, and, and I understand that I, there's some people in our church that have connected through dating services, and man, there's been some incredible unions in Christ. But this one person told me, he says, man, he said the Christian service I went through, he said it was everything but Christian. He said, man, I met the most aggressive women I've ever met in my life. <laughs> you thought that was funny, huh? And he said I ran. Because I was looking for a God-fearing woman, and she was like, oh, yeah, something else, you know. He said, hey. So here's the deal, man. We want to live for Christ. Amen? We want God help us to be in submission to you. And so it is. Peter was humble, and we could look at all. John uh, 21. Is it is that up here? John? Well, maybe not. But it, it, was, it was a good verse. Hey, that looks nice, too. Here, let's keep going. Yeah, there it is. That was the whole section that I was talking about, feed me. Feed my sheep. I just, want, I just want you to look at it on the screen. Sometimes if you do that, you, you see it visually. Yeah, Lord, in the middle. Yes, Lord, Peter said, you know I love you. Then go do something, Peter. Then, then do it. And I'm thinking, God, that's the job of Christians. The job of Christians is to go and to share the good news of Christ. And it's not just the gospel that they might be saved, so that they might grow in the riches and the grace of Jesus Christ. I'm grateful for all the men and women that have gone ahead of me, that have invested their life in me, that I might know more of Christ and His Word. Are you thankful for the people in your life that teach you the Word of God? Man, they're, they're friends. You lived in other states and other cities and other churches and other communities, and you're thankful for them. And you have radio and podcast and video and all these teachers, and you're grateful for them as they teach the Word of God. And the church said, man, we live in an exciting time, don't we? Don, I'll tell you, I've spent a fortune... A fortune buying tapes and CDs over the years. And today it's so cool. I don't buy near the tapes and CDs I used to because, man, we got podcasts. I remember when we used to sell series here all the time. Everybody like, hey, pastor. I mean, I would get through, I would walk off the stage and I was like, man, you got a CD? Like, dude, I just finished preaching. They can't produce it that quick. And it's so, it, was, it was so cool when whoever our worship pastor was, when we finally went digital and all that, and he says, hey, guess what? We don't have to record any. He said, we record. We don't have to make any more CDs. You know what? By about Tuesday of next week, they can go and get a podcast, and they can listen to Jesus Comes, and they won't pay a dime. And you know what I learned? People are cheap. They like that. And they go, I don't have to spend anything. I Man, I listen to podcasts. How many of you listen to podcasts? I'm just curious. Raise your hands if you ever listen to podcasts. Raise them high. I want to see them. Well, the rest of you ought to have your hand up. There's some great preachers out there, and I, and I ain't one of them. But I do encourage you to listen to this one because you kind of stay in the narrative of what we're doing at Christ Community. But now I, I love to listen to good preaching. It's good for your soul. See, if I was preaching 30, 40 years ago, I'd go, and, and they still have them. We just don't know much about it in the South. They have camp meetings, and camp meetings are the great American preach-off. They have preaching three times a day, and they go to these God-forsaken places outside tabernacles with no air conditioning. Yeah, I got friends that do that. And I'm like, really? We got air conditioning. This sweat's running down my back right now. But I've, been, I've preached in an outdoor tabernacle once. Decided I like air conditioning. Okay, here we go. Look at number six. Peter taught submission to authority. I, I taught us several years ago the book of 1 Peter. We walked through 1 Peter. And I've listed verses there. 
is he talks about this authoritative relationship with Christ being an authority in our life and submitting to him submission. Uh, listen to 1 Peter 2, 13 and 14. Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the king as supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evil doers and for the praise of those who do good. In other words, here's what I'd say to us. Peter wants to tell us, accept the authority that is God-ordained, our government, our church, our, our people that work there. God works through authority, and God has given us authority. We want to pray for the authority. We want to pray for our president. We want to pray for so many different levels, but I believe that authority is divinely ordained. Do you believe that, church? The Scripture teaches that. And then you move on here in 1 Peter 2, 18 through 20. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. And then we move into this thing, and nobody likes this word. Every time I say it, girls cringe. Like, ah, I hate that S word. Submissive, submit. It's a biblical word. Peter reminds the example of Christ. Christ submitted his will to the Father. And Christ calls us to submit to him, and he calls us to mutual submission. It's a kingdom thing. But he also calls the wife, he calls somebody to be the head, and he calls the husband to be the head, and he calls the wives to submit to the husband. You're like, ah, oh, I don't know about that. Preacher, where'd you read that? I read it in the Word of God. But then the man's got all kind of roles that, man, he has to respect her and honor her and to cherish her. And then in one passage in 1 Peter says, live with her in an understanding way. And I want to be careful here. I want to honor women. God calls us to live with you in an understanding way. When you go, I don't understand myself, my emotions, da-da-da-da-da-da. And God says, live with her in an understanding way. Honor her. And if you honor one another and mutually submit, you won't have your prayers hindered. See, a lot of times prayers get hindered because we're out of fellowship with each other, and God says, I want to restore it. I want to make it beautiful. So, Joel, 1 Peter 3, 7 is what I was talking about. Look at number 7. You're saying, you don't have a number 7. In my notes, there was a number seven. When the worship guide happened, it didn't get on there. And then when I came in here and Drew was doing all my notes, I said, hey, let's put number seven, because I got seven in my brain, and we got seven for the screen. He goes, dude, that'll work. So I want you to write down one, okay? Some of you just put out your pen for the first time or your crayon. Number seven, the disciple Simon became the apostle Peter. See, he was Simon and becomes Peter. He was a disciple, but Jesus really elevates him. He's in the days of Jesus that he walks with Jesus, he, he's, a, he's one of these solid apostles of Christ. And, and Jesus expected so much out of Peter. Uh, Peter sometimes had to be admonished and corrected. As you read through the epistles and letters, and you see that Peter learned. Peter was a learner. He was a disciple. He, he learned the ways of Christ. He had accomplishments as, as an apostle. He did great things. I mean, that thing I told you when I first started, he witnessed the transfiguration. I'm thinking, that's pretty awesome. He had strengths. He was a fiercely loyal man. He was loyal to Christ. He wasn't perfect. I told you the story where he denied Jesus. But when you look at the full life of Peter, he was loyal. How many of you want a loyal friend? I do. How many of you have loyal friends? I go, I hope you all raise your hands like, oh, I got one or two. And somebody say, do, I, do you have a pet? Do you have a dog? Your dog's your loyal friend, okay? And that's really sad if that's the only loyal friend you got is your dog. You know, I, I think that's why so many people have pets because, man, they, they love you unconditionally. I mean, you can scold a dog and you can do this and that when they do something, but then you give them some love. As soon as you come home, the dog, man, sitting up, you know, you know, just, you know, just so pumped about seeing you. And that's the way every relationship you have is, right? 
As soon as they see you, they greet you with a slobber. No, I don't think so. Okay, I hope not. Okay. So Peter, he had, he had weaknesses. Sometimes Peter let his passions overrule his faith. But ultimately, those passions do get bridled and they get under the care and the submission and the authority of Christ. We learn from Peter that God's in control and not Peter. And God blesses this man. And we'll just look at transformation in this series this month. And I hope we all walk away saying, man, I, I learned some things I've never learned. But listen to this. In Matthew 26, 33, it says, Peter answered and said, he actually bragged to him, even if all were made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Peter's bragging here. He's boasting. But you know what Corinthians says in 1 Corinthians 10, 12? Let him who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall in a haughty spirit. Or here it is. The scripture says, pride goes before destruction. And so I really learned that Peter probably had some pride. There's no doubt. But man, I think in the end, Peter, he gets that pride thing under. He, he humbles himself. He becomes humble Peter. Jesus uses him. So here, here's what I'd say today. I just want you to write across the bottom. you got room right there. Here's a statement I wrote. I'll give it to you. God is about Christ-centered life change. I'll say it again. God is about Christ-centered life change. And that's really what I want to end on today. That, that's, that's what Jesus wants to do. He wants to change us, fix us, transform us, around the person of himself, around the person of Christ. The Father wants to do that. And we can uh, try to do it on our own, but we, we need renovation. We need a fix-up. I love Lake Martin. It's one of my favorite places to go. I grew up there as a kid. And uh, there's this big thing that's happened in the last several years. Lake property has gotten so expensive that a lot of people, they take these houses and cabins. You don't really find cabins at Lake Martin anymore. But you, you see these houses, and they go in, and they bulldoze them. Man, just, and bury them, set them on fire. And if you're a pyro, you like that, right? And then you come back in six months or nine months, and you look, and there's this big edifice, there's this big cathedral, there's this nice-looking home there. It's worth hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars because there's been transformation on that landscape. Somebody saw what this piece of property could become. I, I want to give you a visual. Now, that's a material, worldly, natural thing. How about Christ takes you? Just think about your life. Christ takes you all messed up, broken down, need bulldozing, need correcting, need some twisting, need something. And Christ erects, develops a new person in you, and you begin to become the person of Christ. And you display His glory. God, I love it. We give up these toxic feelings that we have and we become like you. I'll close with this, Bartimaeus. It's not Peter, but it's Bartimaeus. Jesus asked him one time, Bart, what is it that you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus did not become slow of tongue or like, oh, man, I don't have any idea, Jesus. Yeah, he does. He goes, Jesus, I want to see... I have been blind, but I want to see. Now, here's, here, here it is in today's vernacular. Jesus, fix my eyes that I might see. And Jesus touches Bartimaeus and he sees. He has sight. I think he has incredible spiritual sight, which is the greater vision. 
but he restores and he gives them physical sight. So this morning, I'm just warning, Jesus speaks a word over you and me, and he goes, I want you to see. I want you to see the kingdom. I want to, I want to touch your heart. I want to touch your eyes today. I want to give you faith. And I, and I wrote you a message question. What has Jesus said to you? Maybe today in this service? What has he said to you recently? Who has he said you are? Man, it's a lot of messages right now. You can just write in there, man. Jesus says, I am loved. Jesus said, I am forgiven. Jesus said, I can begin again new. Jesus said, repent and follow me. Man, I would just write something right now under that box if, if Christ has said something to your heart. I, I don't know. I'm just submitting some things. I want to pray with you, and we're going to call it a day. We're going to leave. We're going to go out. And somehow I pray that God will take these words and He'll take our hearts and He'll change us and there'll be Christ change. And somehow we'll begin to share this good news with somebody that just doesn't know. But they need to know. Let's pray. Father, there's a lot of things going on inside our hearts probably in a message like this. And Lord, maybe we've been swayed to and fro. But this morning, I believe that you're saying to us, I want to build my life in you and I want you to build your life upon the rock. And I want to fix you. I want to, I want to transform you today by grace. I want you to have a new start. A new beginning. I want you to have a healing. Emotionally, physically, spiritually. I, I don't know what it is, but Lord, fix us. No, let's get specific. Can, can we pray that prayer out loud? Jesus, fix me. Let's set it together on the count of three. One, two, three. Jesus, Fix me. That's what I pray. It's simple, but it's profound. Bless us until we meet again. You're an awesome God. Thank you for a faith family. Thank you for friends. God, thank you for guests. Thank you for Christ. Send us forth. In Jesus' name. Amen.